What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Dogs Basketball Podcast. The first episode of 2022, we last heard from you guys on December 27th, previewing Grambling State and everything else. A lot has happened since then. I'm your host, Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. Noah, it's good to be back. A long hiatus again of 11 days. Yeah, another hiatus. Uh, we've come back to you because, uh, well, there's a lot has happened since then. Started a new year, but uh, had a small COVID outbreak and has postponed two games and moved another one back a day. But uh, we're ready to get going, and I'm sure the players and coaches are ready to get going. Yeah, it actually might not be uh, a bad thing that we had these games pushed back. We were looking forward to playing Drake and Loyal, as we know. Uh, we do get those games at the end of the month. We'll get to that, uh, but definitely when we looked at like where we stand, really, that it's probably not a bad thing. And we do have some road games here. We'll have our first three Valley games on the road, which could could do a lot for you know our trajectory the rest of the way. We will cover that. There are some breaking news as well. Something that we honestly didn't know was going to happen, but it did happen a couple of days ago. We'll we'll start with that. There's a lot of stuff. Some interviews. Former alumni interview, Jeff Jackson talked to Mike a little bit. Now, a little bit of recruiting update, and then we'll preview the new beacons of Valparaiso. So, like I said, we hope everybody had a good New Year. Uh, and obviously, I think we talked to you after Christmas, yeah. So, hope everybody had a nice holiday season. And now, here we are into the new year. So, now, no, let's, let's start out with, obviously, we want to cover the fact that we did miss those first two games. And even a little bit of Grambling State we'll get to, just some small takeaways from that. But let's start out with Noah, of course, the breaking news that came out a couple days ago. Murray State, as we know, we've heard for a couple weeks, even going back a couple podcasts, and we didn't think Murray was going to come now because, you know, the whole thing with the football program and there were talks that they might not come at all. But Noah, that obviously is not true. Two days ago, Murray State is joining and it became official today. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, didn't know if they were to come because uh, of their football program. We're still unsure about the uh, Missouri Valley Football Conference side of things. But for other sports and basketball, uh, most importantly basketball because of their basketball program, um, it's a really good day for not only Murray State Athletics, but especially for the Missouri Valley because uh, um, adding another quality team, another um, brand, everybody knows them. They've, they've had players come there. Everybody knows John Morant. And it's a big day and a big ad because uh, going through the teams every time we did, they were they were our main takeaway. We wanted them, but um, we understood why if we did not weren't able to add them. Yeah, for sure. And it was. It was it made perfect sense from a back basketball perspective. We understand the whole location via them. We were wondering, you know, because – we didn't really look back, but there's been decent schools that have made the trip. I don't know about how far. They've made the trip to Murray before, so we question or wonder uh, you know, how they got there, that all these other teams are just going to have to do that as well. So it's not like obviously impossible to get there via different uh, styles of uh, travel. Uh, we know Paducah has a airport that is kind of the size of what we have here in Marion, like via like Cape Air or anything like that, the teams – We've seen football teams go in and out of uh, Cape or uh, Williams County Airport in Marion. So it obviously can get done, and it, it's going to have to, like we said. So like we said, outside of all that, you mentioned, yeah, football is going to be put off. They did say around, like, what, 2023 they'll revisit the idea, but it's going to stay in the bat- stay in the OBC. 
Uh, so the, we did think that that was maybe the reason why they wouldn't have. A lot of others, but it is, yes, it's great to have them. We're getting the two best teams out of the OVC. We know, like, Moorhead State, we talked about them earlier. They're also quality. They would have gone in the tournament, the suspended, canceled one from COVID two years ago. So, But definitely, Belmont and Murray are the two top teams in the OVC that we are getting, which is definitely all great. So we'll get into some of this stuff. Noah Harry Schroeder, we know, covers the Missouri Valley, and he covers the OVC. Busy man, and he actually has really good content. We went, uh, we're going to... He was all over this, actually, and he said uh, that 2022, uh, or we know that July 1st is when they'll come and all that stuff. He said that uh, they looked at all options, even staying in the OVC, Harry said, because there was that small meeting, was there not, this morning that they talked before they announced everything. Yeah, they had that small meeting this morning. Um, I believe if you guys probably want to go back and look at it, there's a YouTube, out there on YouTube, that they uh, broadcasted the meeting. Exactly, and even Harry said Murray didn't want to jeopardize the OVC, OVC's ability to field six league teams this coming season for whatever he said. The motion is official on the table of the Murray Board of Regents. They are willing to pay the OVC fees, all this other stuff. All this stuff passed, uh, and he had an article on it. But if we go to Missouri Valley, which as we know, no, actually every team in the Valley welcomed Murray State, and we pinpointed that Loyola obviously didn't. We know they're leaving. But we thought maybe Loyola could even have a welcome to the Valley. It's been great to us over this time. It'll be great to you kind of deal. It kind of would have been good to see Loyola maybe welcome them even though they're leaving. Yeah, that, that would have been interesting to see. Uh, they could still uh, put something together, but uh, understandably we know they are leaving to the A-10 uh, wanting to be with more Catholic schools and uh, more uh, academic education programs. But, yeah, they could have done something for them. And speaking of Loyola, they had a huge win yesterday we will get to down the road. They did something that we couldn't do, even though they did it at a neutral uh, court. So, you know, back on this Murray State stuff, they, uh, the Valley had this article. Throughout the process, Murray State officials have prioritized stable and vibrant competitive homes for all 15 of its sports programs in order to continue its long history of success. A uh, couple other stuff, quote from their president or from Racer Athletics, the president, Bob Jackson, we are excited as we advance Murray State University and Racer Athletics into our second century. The Missouri Valley Conference is one of the premier conferences in Division I athletics, and we look forward to continuing our long record of success in this conference. Speaking of that success, their resume, Noah, Definitely outstanding achievements as it lists here. 97 years of collegiate competition. They have 136 conference titles, 127 NCAA postseason appearances, team and individual, and 250 All-American selections. Since 2010, the Racers have made 25 NCAA postseason team appearances. In the 18-19 academic year, the Racers finished in the top 100 of the Learfield IMG College Directors' Cup out of 356 institutions nationally after having earned the League Commissioner's Cup, scoring the highest point total in the history of the award. And list all of their programs. Uh, and list, obviously, yeah, like I said, it gets quote Murray State's move to the Missouri Valley Conference highlights the commitment of our leadership to growing this university in every possible way. That was from the women's basketball coach that said that. So I'm assuming their uh, team will come here as well. We know SIU women's, they had a big one against Illinois. Not sure how they're doing right now, doing okay. So I think Murray's women's, not sure if you know if they're decent or not. Do you think they are? Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure uh, if they're 
all right or not, but I do know their two main sports, um, according to uh, um, their pay, some of their pages, is that uh, men's basketball just men's basketball 38 conference titles since 1988, 58 and 17 in league play in the last five seasons, and three NCAA tournament wins since 2010. So that's the main part. That's what we're looking at, um, especially men's basketball. But their women's soccer, we know. Uh, we just got one recently here at SIU, and not it's not off to a great start. But uh, their women's soccer team is 43-9 and eight in record pl- in in league play in the last six seasons, has seven league championships and three NCAA tournament appearances since 2015. So um, looks like they're uh, those are their two main good sports. I know uh, softball and baseball aren't bad either. Exactly, that that is true. And like you said, we we know a bunch of people that went to Murray State otherwise. So we talked about the stealing of students in general is something. And I think they'll become, you know, in that regard, especially, and Brian mentioned it when he talked to, to Reese that we'll discuss here again, that uh, how close that we are, because we joked with him about uh, maybe playing in the first Valley game next year. Uh, but we are really close to them. We're the closest to them outside of maybe, obviously, the Nashville trip uh, from Belmont. If you look at the map here that they posted up, us and Belmont are the closest to them. Maybe Evansville. Maybe Evansville, it's pretty, it's pretty close. We know we've been to Murray multiple times, and it's about an hour and a half. It might be like two hours or so for Evansville. But really close. We know Murray and Belmont, not a competitive standpoint, they're rivals. And us and Murray, like I said, we play them every other year that there could be a rivalry brewing there as well. So uh, it's great. And Murray's done great with how their season's gone this year. Uh, them and Belmont's success definitely will fill right in with uh, Loyola leaving for sure. And they had all their other sports. Coaches discussing this, so it looks like knowing enough, everything but football will make the jump. Like we said, they might uh, revisit that in 2023. It's kind of a weird situation. They'll keep that in the Ohio Valley, it looks like. So it is a great day, and it was a great day on Wednesday when it was announced. Great job to everybody who covered this, Noah. So that makes it 11, as we know, was bound to happen. Like we said, it almost didn't. So now, Noah, it is almost also confirmed it will at some point. It uh, looks like UIC will be the next team to make the 12. Yeah, it, it's looking like that. Then a quick note on football. Um, I think it would, what's going to make it an easier transition is that the, that the Western Illinois, who plays Summit League and the other sports, and they play in our Valley Football Conference, uh, the major rumor is that they're going to be looking to head to the OVC. So um, looking to probably when they jump, uh, switching Murray State over to – the Missouri Valley for football as well. So that'd probably be an easier transition once we find more out about Western, but yeah, UIC, um, we've been over them quite a bit. It makes too much sense to get back into Chicago market. And, um, they have had their up and up and downs in their basketball program, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good ad. I'm fine with it. And let's just stick at 12. That's the number I think. Yeah, for sure. I, I would say just adding, we talked about before, if we weren't going to add Murray or even add UIC, that we would have been okay with 10. Definitely fine with 12. Uh, Harry Shoulder said, much rumored meeting of the Missouri Valley and UIC this weekend appears to be happening. I'm told Valley folks will be in Chicago for campus visit. League officials did not confirm nor deny. And as we know, yes, the Chicago market is the biggest thing. Uh, and you mentioned, uh, you, know, fo- you, know, ba- you know, success aside, we said that they, if they make the jump, uh, you know, to a better conference that they will probably maybe get better recruits. You know, they're in a hotbed for 
uh, you know, basketball anyway up in Chicago. So I think they'll be fine. They're 4-8 this season. They're 0-3 in their conference. Yeah, they're in the horizon with a bunch of other decent schools. You know, so they're, uh, you know, they've played all these, you know, decent enough teams to segue into uh, the Valley and be, you know, they'll struggle the first couple of years, but uh, it'll be interesting. And we'll get more and we'll talk about USC more and more until just like how Murray State was, until it's official, until it's announced, and they're officially the 12th team. So definitely a good way to start, I think, talking about all of that. And because it's always fun to talk about conference realignment, especially when it comes to something that we care about a lot as is. Another, another quick note that um, on conference realignment that uh, it's appearing that they've had major interest in the Valley and it's looking like uh, UT Arlington is headed to the WAC. So you can cross them off our list. And uh, so hopefully that means once we get UIC in here, it will stay at 12. Good point. Yeah, I think, and even Mike talked to Brian about uh, 22 up to 22 conference games or whatever. He doesn't think so. He, he preached, obviously, the non-conference is a big deal. Uh, so, yeah, as long as he said whatever, between 18 and 22, I, I guess 20, working that way. What I've seen is going to be 20. Which makes sense. Uh, figuring something out. Like, we know a lot of other conferences only play. Some teams will just play a team once a year. So you could see, like, maybe Drake and you and I maybe getting Belmont and Murray, the furthest away from them, maybe once a year. Something like that. And maybe – having them go to, to Drake or you and I make it, uh, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work out. That's a good point, though. Definitely some teams are just going to play each other once. That makes sense. And Brian said he doesn't want a 22 for non-con. We want more good non-con uh, games uh, every season. So, like we said, yeah, good point there. Uh, now, no, let's segue into, yes, we obviously did miss these two games. That's why we didn't make a pod. We knew beating Grambling State, you know, wasn't worth its own pod, obviously. Uh, and we were going to come out with one if we were going to play Loyola or Drake's. So we thought we'd put it off. That's why we put it off this far and figured, obviously, we would just have a preview pod with a lot of other stuff, and even, like we said, 11, almost two weeks' worth of information to also cover in a pod like this. So that's why it took so long. And, uh, Noah, yeah, let's get the dates for those rescheduled games if no one else knows. They did move the Valpo home game down the road as well. What are those exact dates? Yeah, we have the – we have – um. Three dates now we have moved. We have just did uh, Monday, January 17th. We will host Drake now at 7 p.m. Um, for all season ticket holders, I'm pretty sure you can just bring the you, the normal ticket for that Drake game. Um, I would assume there's no adjustments for that. Then uh, Thursday, January 27th um, at 7 p.m., you will host Loyola Chicago. Then uh Originally on the 29th, your Swiss host Valpo, it is moved back one day till January 30th, which, help, which helps us. Um, at 4 p.m., you got Valpo coming to town. And it's good. We said that, you know, the movement of those games helps us in the now, maybe. Gave us 11 months. We mentioned Lance dealing with maybe his injury. He hasn't been the same. He's had 11 days off. You know, obviously, these guys have had COVID. Some of them have. And that's the thing, Noah. Maybe not everybody's had COVID on the team, just – you know, we've had enough people to have it to not feel the team, which is a lot. We knew we're, we weren't going to, you know, shed off. And we were going to take the absence. We weren't going to shed off even guys like Foster or Scotty if they didn't have it. You know, burn their red shirt only for a couple games that, you know, we, like Drake and Loyola, were, we're fine with having them travel at certain points in the season to our place. It's not like we're going somewhere. So I think that's definitely good. So let's jump into the fact that Brian did mention what he talked with Mike about 
some people on the team did have COVID. He obviously wasn't, wasn't going to specify. It was just, like I said, enough to not feel the team. And all that begs the question, we remember, obviously, Troy, out of Christmas, had it, but he wasn't around the team for the Grambling game. And we Dalton didn't play that game as well due to an illness. We wonder if that worked its way into COVID. Uh, it's unfortunate, though, right? Because, and we said, we didn't want this to happen at all. We remember Brian talking to Mike about it. It kind of jinxed it. Uh, but it, it begs the question because we don't know who we're going to see tomorrow. Yeah, it, it's it's Brian when he talked. Every time Mike uh, asked him about it, he said it's it's pretty much out of our control. We can just hope hope and pray that it doesn't hit us, but uh, maybe it hit us at the right time here. But, yeah, we don't know who we're going to see. Um, I'm sure I'm sure that uh, we're going to have enough rotation players. We usually play up around 10, 11 guys sometimes. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure we have that good amount. Um, I'm ho- we're hopeful. Um, we're hopeful we get to see everybody. I know I did see Anthony Diavonzo at the John A. Logan basketball game the other night. So, um, it's a good, it's a good chance he's making the trip unless these last couple of days he's tested positive or something. But, uh, yeah, Brian said that these, these next 48 hours when he talked to Mike would tell us what's going on, but, uh, I assume we're good to go and maybe hopefully only missing one or two rotation guys, maybe hopefully not starters. Yeah. And we even said when we were going to pinpoint players, we said, hopefully at least one of Marcus and Lance, Marcus or Lance play. We don't have both. That will be as tough as it gets. And that will no matter. You just mentioned, yeah, 24 to 48 hours, Brian said, we'll have a better idea of who we should have enough to play this weekend against Valpo. Um, and you mentioned Anthony. Yeah, you texted me as soon as you saw him. That makes us think because he was there alone. You know, usually we've seen SIU players at John A games before. He was there alone. We know he's a buddy of somebody that just was able to go watch the game. So he didn't have his teammates with him, which begs the question that maybe obviously some of them didn't go because of quarantining, which Brian did say we were going through the return to play protocols with a couple of our guys who have been in quarantine situations. So we said it is unfortunate, but hopefully, uh, and, and we said, you know, if everybody tests at, like and tests positive at the same time, they were, they're all in quarantine enough to hopefully that we see, yeah, most of the people, it's been almost close to two weeks that these people will be able to, or these players will be able to like rehab per se, or just get better to see everybody. Cause yeah, we want all hands on deck. Cause we know Valpo, We'll get to them, obviously, their personnel and everything. They're getting healthy as time goes on, and they might be healthy tomorrow. So it's all a wait and see. We'll discuss Valpo at the end, yes. Let me get, get that out there. Uh, you know, a couple of things here. I guess we can jump into the Grambling State game. We're just going to cover some. We'll, we'll jump into that. Uh, it was a game where we had a big lead at one point, and the ending wasn't what we wanted. Go back on some quotes here, but go through uh, the first half box score. Who stuck out in this game for the first half? Yeah, looking into it, um, which really uh, going into the game, we'll say this is the game we did not have Troy. We just mentioned Troy or Dalton. So uh, that was a key hit to we didn't know. And Trent Brown, this was the return of Trent Brown. If my phone would load, I can get this first half box. Yeah, that was great. And he was definitely active, we shall say. He was kind of the same old self. We didn't notice anything different with Trent. He's just bigger. I think he... You know, he might be not moving as fast yet, but it was definitely a uh, a decent first game for him, how active he was. Yeah, looking in this first back, first uh, half box score, uh, we put up 41 points in the first half. It was a uh, the Marcus Damas show in the first half. Um, Marcus Damas, Lance Jones, and uh, Ben Coupette, um, 
Marcus had 17, Ben had nine, Lance had seven. Trent Brown got his first three back, hit his first one of his, I believe it was his first shot back. Um, he went one of four from three. Um, only four guys scored in the first half that game. Uh, it was it was a pretty solid first half, I'd say. Um, still, we're still having as a team some good uh, good spurts at times, and sometimes we look really bad. Um, some key turnovers, but uh, not only had four turnovers in that first half, it wasn't too bad. Uh, did not expect we didn't expect much from Grambling. We do we do know uh, they were without one of their best players because of COVID, which is uh, which we all know Kingsby who transferred from Bradley. So um, that was a big hit to them. But uh, yeah, it was a pretty solid first half for the most part. Yeah, Marcus definitely bounced back from his bad San Francisco game. We recall, yeah, there are bad stints, maybe on defense and you know going a long time without scoring because we've said before, uh, taking our chance against anybody at home, and we, we seem to play perfect at home. We have six and zero perfect record at home, uh, but I don't think we've had these kind of bad spurts, you know, that look kind of ugly like they have at home on the road, or even some of the games where we know we should have won either neutral floor or on the road, being able to finish. Uh, it seems like obviously we're not perfect at home. We'd like to be. But there's stints where we're not. Yeah, 18 minutes for Marcus in that first half. You're right, only five guys scored. Yeah, Trent won for four. He was shooting a lot. You know, it seemed like in transition, I remember he may have made one, and they went right back to him to play after the fast break after. But that's what we needed him to do. I don't think Trent, you know, he didn't really get any opportunities in this game to, like, do any other sorts of offense to his game. It was kind of like the same old with shooting and defense. Uh so yeah, and you're right. Kingsby did not play. It's something to think about. We did have a big lead, and what was our what was our lead at half? Sixteen. So yeah, it was sixteen. Uh, we trailed two nothing to start the game. Then uh, after three, after Lance was fouled on the three, and we hit the free throws, we did not trail again. Yeah, they lead, they beat us in defensive rebounds. We had uh, four more offensive, three more total rebounds. They had five blocks. They were active, and they were kind of a scrappy team. You know, a nuisance of a team. They'll get up into you, annoy you a little bit. That's they got a couple of technicals in this game. Uh, so, yeah, that was good to see. You know, like we said, it didn't finish. We only we only won by uh, 11, but it seemed like we – it got really close at the end. What was the margin, like the closest margin in the second half? Where it wasn't – we had some turnovers, I think. We ended up with 13. They had 14. But it didn't – seemed like we mailed it in on defense a little bit in the second half. Yeah, I think the closest it got uh, was around 14 points was in that second half. Which it ended up uh, got down to. I guess it was just ugly basketball. Yeah, it was a lot of ugly basketball. A lot of still a lot of non consistency, which we're looking for consist consistency from this basketball team. We haven't seen it yet, but uh, yeah, I think it ended up eleven. And I think that's the closest it got. Looking at the the uh, timeline here, so uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's not it's what we expected. We did not expect the struggle, and we had some stretches in the game, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's what we expected winning by 11. We were outscored by five in the second half by them, but, uh, um, pretty solid game for the most part, I would say. Yeah. And even we shot 34 and a half percent, uh, from the field for the game, 31 in the second half. I think because even on our tweet here, we're missing easy finishes along with mailing in on defense. So Marcus only had sec seven in the second half. But he got time at the end of the game to sit, or what game am I thinking of? Was that it where he didn't play? He ended up playing 34 minutes. Right. Uh, so 16 in the second half. I think he sat near the end a little bit. But getting a little, I think because we 
I think we said, like, I don't, I don't think Lance and Marcus finished the game. I think we had everyone else that we did out there, even Trent involved and everything, which is which was good, obviously, at the time. So, yeah, Anthony had nine points, five of five from the free throw line. That's a big deal. Uh, we shot really good from the free throw line in this game. What, 28 of 37? We 75%. Yeah, so that is good. Anthony, if we know he's going to play a whole lot more like we know he should, and if he gets fouled, we're confident him making free throws. Uh, Marcus was 10 of 11. JD was one of five. You know, he's he's just going to be that. He's not going to be very good from there this year. Uh, Cash was six of six, and Lance was six of 10. So it was it was a great free. I think we're we're becoming. We know in the past we have not be, been a great free throw shooting team, and even it's been sporadic, I guess, at times this year. But that was a great game that propelled us moving forward into those big games we thought we were going to have to be from the free throw line. Stephen led us in minutes with 35. Only had six points on six shots. Need him to get going a little bit more. We know he's been up and down at times. Maybe the opportunities just aren't there. Sometimes you don't think he's on the floor at times. But Cash, you know, with 17 points, he's every bit of the score. Again, he continues to score a lot of points. We'll get to a tweet that they had about him and the great month of December that he had. Uh, but Cash being our second-lead score was big. Yeah, he's continuing every night. We can guarantee um, double Double digits from him in the point column. Um, um, we've continued to – we've been saying – we've said for years that this is the type of player we need, and uh, we finally got got him. And uh, he's getting better and better each game he plays. Um, he had the big outburst down at Tulsa, um, big-time big time game there, and he's continued to um, stay steady. And that's uh, – he's been probably our most consistent player, I'd say. For sure, yeah. With Marcus's couple games of barely or not making a field goal, definitely warrants cash. And you mentioned the Tulsa game. That, that was just crazy. The fact that, yeah, he scores 30 and we still you know, can't win because we don't shoot well for everybody else. Uh, and even Tulsa's looked at in their conference to being awful, which we know if we went in there and won, it would have been a big deal at the time. So, yeah, when cash is doing something like that, just a flashback that we need more people to step up for those games that we know we uh, can't finish or do anything with. So, small day. It was just a nice warm-up game for those uh, games we thought we were going to have prior. And it, it was it was a better uh, matchup and uh, competitive game more than, obviously, Missouri Baptist would have been, which reminds us Missouri Baptist might have been scheduled at the end of January, which, obviously, that is probably off the table now with the COVID situation. So Unless we'll somebody else. Right. We'll see how that plays out. Which we did say, yeah, if they were going to have – instances of missing for COVID at that point, we were just going to schedule them very badly. So they're, I think they're on speed dial for us. We'll just put it that way. So, um, yeah, on that, now Noah, we did. Something that we know we t- the team takes pride in. What was the GPA from this month that they wanted to shout out the program for? thought we retweeted it. Here it is. Grades are in the department's top team and GPA 3.526 was earned by Saluki Basketball. Best term GPA in program history. So proud of these guys. No, we know Brian definitely, and I think we should jump into this again because we'll segue into something that they don't do. We wish they should do. No, a GPA, that's exactly, that's music to Brian Mullen's ears. And obviously overall, we want players. And I think this group does. Obviously, it just shows right here that they care about school. And obviously, it's important. Yeah, it's absolutely important. Um uh, I think Brian Mullins as a coach and I think his staff, uh, um, I think sometimes uh, they expect more of the classroom than they do on the f- on the floor. They won't admit to that, but uh, 
Um, we get that out of that. We know we we know we have guys like Anthony. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's working on his second second degree probably. But uh, um, we're finding guys, and it's good that we're finding guys that can do both, and because that's important. And now we're setting the best team GPA in program history. And uh, yeah, those are hard to find getting guys that are good at both because we know. Um, we've heard rumors of a guy from around here that we were in on that uh, he may not end up going to where he's supposed to go because of his grades and end up at a JUCO. But, yeah, those those are hard to find. And, uh, yeah, proud of these guys for doing it both because uh, um, we know we only did it in high school, but uh, handling both, especially at a D1 level, is probably pretty difficult, especially in some of these guys' uh, um, majors. Yeah, well, I think some schools obviously – you know, they should care about it, whether they do, they recruit, even like the JUCO level, John A. No, we know some of those, and we know some insights between, or inside John A. that uh, some of those guys aren't very bright, especially in the classroom, just in general, they just don't care about it or something, that's why they end up in a JUCO, that's why John A. is always great, because they have the talent, but they don't have the smarts, and I, I respect Brian, Brian for sure, for wanting, you know, talented players, but also ones that are uh, committed to the classroom, which, like I said, in the grand scheme, that's what it should be anyway. But we know Brian was like that as a player. He was a probably 4.0 student in high school, along with being a, an amazing player. So he preaches that. And I think, you know, we, we flash back to obviously the seasons that we've had under the, under Brian's era and how close we are this year. And I think obviously when we're healthy, I'll, I'll have us competing against anybody. And I think that now then the third year that it's here, even with the, you know, him recruiting you know, your smarts along with your talent that, you know, we look at different teams that have the talent that maybe the smarts aren't there, maybe more talented than us and maybe better. But the fact that how close we are with doing it this way and doing it Brian's way is something. So now, Noah, let's talk about uh, John A. And as we know, they have a couple of players there that should interest SIU because they interest a lot of other teams. Uh, and we, we wonder maybe why. We know when Barry was coached that him and Kyle Smith-Peters really didn't have that. Uh, you know, relationship that obviously Brian and Kyle do now know. They were, as we know, they were roommates when they were in school together, playing on the basketball team together. We think the relationship should be pretty tight there in terms of giving each other, you know, just whatever is with players and maybe we can land some or even some insight. I'm sure Brian and him have talked about it. Brian, do you think that because, you know, it would make too much sense and we know the talent Johnny has. Yeah, we know the talent Johnny has. And uh, I was at the game the other night. And to me, there's a couple couple interesting prospects over there. But, yeah, you would think that, uh, well, we were there last year and we saw Brendan over there. So uh, we know there's interest. Um, I'm not sure exactly who they were looking at last year. Um, I think Cam Alford was maybe one that they were looking at a point guard or something. But uh, we know Brad Corn's been up there um, looking at Sean East, who everybody knows in the Valley, who transferred from Bradley down here, started at UMass, and now he's at John A., um, scored 21, uh, 21 the other night. He's a, he's a, he's a game changer. He can score whenever he wants. And, uh, um, I don't know if, if SIU would be interested in a guy like that. We've talked about, um, maybe this team's, uh, one player away and maybe a point guard. But, uh, I think if you had a guy like Sean East that can, uh, add another scoring level to take off the load of Lance and Marcus and the other players that, that, that could go. He's just a, more of a guard type of role, other than what Cash is doing right now. That would be a big key. But 
Yeah, we've always wondered for years, uh, why, why, where is the distance between they're in your backyard, why can't you go get a player? Because they've had plenty of players, um, which we know some go to Power 5 conferences and uh, or some one goes to the NBA. We, we know those players, but um, there's a couple that's fell through the crack and at other places that you wonder why we can't land them. Yeah, that's a good point. I think, obviously – then maybe knowing that those guys don't want to quote settle for SIU when they you know Jay Scrubs going to the NBA, Sidney Curry's at Louisville, even uh, Jamarian, which we have no some insight there maybe as to why he's at Western, but he chooses Western. He's playing really really well, and some other players that go big per se. But I truly think it comes down to Brian not liking the fact that they're not good in classes and stuff because even we know Sidney Curry uh, had his issues at his last final year at John A. He was going to Kansas, but either there was something off the field that happened with him. Obviously, we, like we said, his grades are not great. Maybe Bill Self doesn't put up with some of that stuff. You think maybe some of those Power 5 Blue Bloods that sometimes they don't, they obviously don't care. So I think it was something Sydney did off the court, but uh, I think obviously he just wasn't putting up with some of the BS that we know even Chris Mack would even take on. But I think it, it comes down to them not being good in the classroom because I think uh, or outside of them maybe going somewhere bigger because, like I said, the relationship with them is there. It's saying because we said, Noah, if we have a full team of guys that are smart, if we just had the one guy that maybe wasn't great in class, that we can maybe make him be better in class if he comes here because he's good and talented and can help us, that that's what we should do. Yeah, it, it it's maybe something we should look into. We know we've we've had a uh, JUCO guys. We've been in on JUCO guys a lot. We're still in on one this year, and Brian Moore out of northeastern Oklahoma. But, yeah, it's 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 something I don't know exactly what's what we're looking into is. And we we were talking to, we're talking about this exact subject the other day. And uh, um, it's not like it's not like I, I told you and uh, about it. it's not it's not like I want want him to go out there and do what basically Chris Lowry did and bring in a bunch of thugs that aren't good in the classroom and have the NCAA on our butts about grades and stuff. And uh, um. This is just something we maybe look into. I don't know exactly, but um, especially the relationship in your backyard. Yeah, those guys probably look down on SIU maybe a little bit, but uh, there's been plenty of talent that's uh, went through John A that hasn't went to anything close to the level of SIU. So um, it's just something we've always wondered why we can't go get guys in our backyard from a JUCO that's top five in the nation every year. Exactly, and – uh, I think that's something to be said. You said Chris Lowry. We know the great year that he had, uh, you know, t- uh, taking advantage of the great players that he had. Some of those guys were sketchy, but that was an era of basketball where, honestly, if you play hard and we had the Fulburn year, we had all that greatness, that I think the talent that SAU had was great. Jamal Tatum easily, we feel like, could have played at a high major school. That's how good he was. And some of those other guys, but even like – uh, the era of basketball is so much different than it is now. You base off talent now, but you win in multiple different ways, kind of along the same lines. Like you work hard, hard work beats talent, talent builds the work hard. We know that. And players are more talented nowadays, so that begs the question as to why, you know, you're willing to sacrifice a little bit to get good players. Uh, even Barry, you know, we agree that Barry helped the GPA thing. He helped to get us back in that regard school-wise. Now Brian's taking it to even another level. There, as long as Brian's here, they will not be honest about that for sure. And this definitely proves that. Going back no real fast to Sean East, how big is he? You said he was a guard. Yeah, Sean East is uh, 6'3", so it's, he's, good he's, he's pretty good size. 
Um, then I mentioned uh, Ryan Moore's probably like six four. Yeah, he's like six four, six five. But uh, I mentioned Cam Alford, who's six one. But uh, another interesting one, uh, he might use his COVID year. He's been he was injured last year, and part of this year is Dedrick Reeves out of Marion, Arkansas, who we were in on coming out of high school. So that's an interesting one. But one, uh, you mentioned Cash and players like that. They have this guy, we call him T-Tay. His name's uh, like Tawate Williams. He's 6'7". He's like a Tennessee State, Tennessee Tech transfer. Um, he had an alley-oop the other night. He jumps out of the gym. He's an athletic freak. Yeah, maybe we have we have our own athletic freak in Scotty. We're interested to see his development. And even, you talk about bringing a guy in, yes, we want to fill because Cash has been so great. Cash has been perfect. Hoping he can keep up what he's doing. It's adding a veteran like him and his skill sets that we want to keep adding as time goes on. We know adding Kate Hornecker next year also propels us to that regard. We just need that one more guy. We talked about how great would it be to have Aaron Cook on this team to, you know, the amount of years that he's had. If he transferred back, it'd be hilarious. He would take us over the top for sure because we know he's talented and everything. And we'll talk about someone on his staff at Georgia uh, that, we'll talk, that we'll talk about something that uh, he talked to Mike. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. But, yeah, I do think for sure that – uh, moving forward, even Brendan Mullins alluded to the players that we're in on. So it'll be interesting. We talked about even guys like Foster and Scotty yesterday. Yes, their you know growth moving forward could impact some things. So uh, we hope that we will get. We know yes, some more guys we're in on recruiting wise. Maybe another grad transfer, some kind of transfer in general should be the move uh, even next year. So we'll see how it all plays out. And you mentioned before a guy that maybe isn't so great in classes. It is going somewhere that we know. We know pretty well. We're not going to say it because we don't know is for sure. Something we've been hearing. We won't see it. If, it. if we see it happen, and we'll discuss it when that happens. But we just want to sneak this guy. That's just an example. I'm sure where he's going is going to affect him. Yeah, definitely for his basketball future for sure. So that'll be a wait and see. It'll be interesting. Uh, so, yeah, it is interesting overall. We'll see how it all plays out. So, Noah, because we were talking about recruiting or maybe adding for next year, something small here. Let's get into this maybe a, a uh, update on recruiting. We know we're in on a couple guys. You mentioned Brian Moore. We're still in on a couple guys uh, that we've had our eyes on that we've just missed. Or it, I don't think there's any other interest. We mentioned the one recently that's kind of sketchy. Uh, we'll see. But Noah, Sammy Pieces, some guy we're in on, just the stuff that we know because we unfollow them when they re- when they commit somewhere else. He's going to southeastern Louisiana. Uh, so scratch him off. But what else is there out there right now? Yeah, there's, there is not a lot out there. Um, there's a couple guys that have committed. Um, not a lot of chatter out there, especially for this upcoming recruiting class. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what we end up with. I think they're maybe leaning more towards uh, probably the portal. Uh, portal, again, um, for maybe that last spot, unless we don't even use one, we just use roll it on. As we talked about, um, we pretty much bring everybody back, and we still have Scotty and Foster who are redshirting. Um, unless you have to burn those down the road, down down the stretch here. Um, so uh, yeah, other than that, um, I will can't I can't say about Cade. Um, he uh, watched. He played in that tournament out in Bristol, Tennessee. Um, I did watch a little bit of his games on YouTube. It's probably still on their YouTube. I think it was Bristol. Um, Bristol basketball's tennis or YouTube page, but uh, yeah, he had 16 points and the little bit of the game I watched. Um, so uh, I'm excited to see what 
we can get out there when it gets there. For sure. And Cade's been really active on social media. We follow him on our Dogs Podcast account. He follows us back like everybody else should. Dogs Podcast on Instagram. He's really active. He's into photography, it looks like. He's really an interesting guy. We've heard him speak. He sounds well-spoken. We're so excited to get him in there. You said you saw him play. Yeah. Was obviously a leading part of their team, as we know, and scoring, what do you say, like 16 points or so. Yeah. Interesting, he does not jump tip. They have some yeah, six, six, the, the, I think he's going to UTR and he jumps, which is crazy. Maybe it's something that they know he's got a good hop. So if they get the tip, they can easily have a fast break, easy opportunity for Kate. Who knows? I'm sure they're decent. We know they're a quality team. So, yeah, and we'll keep invested with Cade. Uh, cannot wait to have him next, or next year, as we've talked about. Yeah, a quick thing on Cash. A big month of January for him, yes. In seven games, he averaged 15.9 a game, which was our leading score, and we were 5-2 and two in December. So, uh, like I said, Cash has been everything we've dreamed about him being. Hopefully, he can continue it. So, something small on that. Uh, now, no, let's jump into some other of this quick stuff. Uh, I mentioned uh, Aaron Cook, someone on his staff. We know Sean O'Brien, the great Sean O'Brien, is on Georgia's staff, and he spoke with Mike either earlier this year or in the late year. I think it was in the late year, and uh, some things that I remember them talking about, Noah, the biggest takeaway was he said that he left a lot on the table when he was here. Obviously, he said that been through a lot in terms of losing seasons and stuff. Even there were opportunities where he thought he should have took more advantage of. Like I said, kind of left a little to be desired in his career here, and we know he had it. Yeah, he had an amazing career. Uh, his name came up uh, quite a bit. Uh, I believe it was uh, the last home game. We were in the second half. I, I was on the page, or maybe it was halftime. Uh, I was on the records page, and we were going through, and Sean O'Brien came up a couple times. And, uh, yeah, I'm, he started his – he's uh, down there at Georgia starting his maybe his coaching career. So, uh, if I was Brian Mullins and uh, we ever had an assistant coach leave, I'd – I wouldn't be surprised in the seeing Sean O'Brien so I'm end up back here. Yeah, and he loved his time there. He gave credit to Barry and everyone that he played with and everything. Uh, and he said that he, when he got done playing, that he got invested in the coaching because COVID kind of ruined his professional career. And we know he was having a great career. Even he acknowledged he was. And he might still try to play as time goes on. But he said that he knew somebody that could give him an opportunity at Georgia straight out of that. Uh, which was interesting. So he had someone to thank for the place that he's at, but it's been great. He said Tom Crean's been great. And like, yeah, he said him and Aaron Cook, them knowing each other obviously has made it easier for both of them there. Uh, so, yeah, we it was a good to catch up with Sean, him and Mike, and we wish him well moving forward. Yeah, you mentioned maybe he'll be on the staff one day, continue his GA or maybe just find a spot. Who knows? Because we talked about Brendan Mullins might be coveted one day and, Hopefully he never leaves his brother's side, but it's he'll deserve one if he's ever coming. So Sean definitely should be on the short list moving forward down the road potentially for a staff. Noah, another interview. Jeff Jackson also talked to Mike in about a 10-minute or so interview, and uh, it discussed a lot of things. He wasn't going to talk to Mike asked him about, maybe you don't want to mention it, but about conference realignment. And I don't think he said anything specific because he said he really wasn't supposed to per se, and obviously we know that Murray's and we had a feeling we didn't Murray kind of came out of nowhere. Cause like we said, we didn't think they were going to come. We knew UIC had a good shot. So some of those we kind of expected, but he talked about SIU know, and the fact that, you know, it's SIU has been a great, uh, it's been in the Missouri Valley for so long. It's been a great, one of the great, obviously teams of it, you know, from a basketball standpoint and non-basketball standpoint, he gave props 
to the university and such. Uh, what else did he discuss? He discussed, they talked about the forfeit policy, that it was best, obviously, that they do that. Because now look at what we're doing now with it all. What else did, were your takeaways from that interview? Yeah, they talked, uh, Mike asked them about uh, Loyola moving on. Then uh, um, he, he asked about the uh, adding adding the expansion. Uh, he didn't, he couldn't touch much on that. But uh, yeah, he's a, he was a, uh, um, I thought it was interesting about the Loyola thing. He said there's there's reasons just more outside of basketball if they're going to join um, a conference with seven 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 or I think he said seven other Catholic schools or something, which makes more sense if you think about it. You want something um, you want to be in a conference that's more like sees the same values as your school is like academically and uh, being a Catholic school. So it, it makes sense and. Uh, they talked a little bit more about that, but you touch on most of all those. So. Yeah, and everybody go find that on our feed and Mike's feed to go get more of the details. I'm sure we're leaving out some other stuff. So speaking of Loyola, uh, they just tweeted about a minute ago that our game with them on January 27th will be on for them NBC Sports Chicago, and then for us it'll be if people get. We know there's been a lot of issues in our area about with Valley Sports Midwest and Indiana Kansas City Plus, so people will be able to watch it if they can around here for them. We know. The game would have been great against them on ESPN2 that got canceled. So that would have been a great national spotlight for us, but we know it was mainly for them. So it's interesting. Now, no, let's jump into all of the games, the teams that had been able to play in the Valley. And we know there was a really good one the other night. Uh, how's that all been going? And we'll get to the standings there. Yeah, we, we've talked we've talked about the, uh, the Valley as a whole going into conference play. Um, the Valley in non-con has been a besides Loyola Chicago, it's been a big disappointment. We had, we thought we had maybe three three teams outside of Loyola that could push and build a good resume and being at large bid, but uh, um, going into non-con, it's looking like uh, unless Loyola gets knocked off on a Saturday in St. Louis, that it's going to be a one bid league. Yeah, and we know we'll just get to the fact that Loyola played San Francisco yesterday and they beat them, what was it, by five points or something uh, at that neutral site, yeah. which they said there was about four or four and a half hour flights. So they beat them. We'll get into that box score in a second because you just said the two bid league. You know, Loyola is now up to, I think I just saw before the 16 in the net or so, 19 maybe, whatever it was. But. They're pretty high. I think they're giving themselves an at-large opportunity, especially with that San Francisco win, uh, to where, yeah, if they lost, you know, if they got pretty far but lost, and then they could get an at-large in like a whatever to close to a 10 or maybe above that seat along with whoever we win. I think that I think they're giving us a really good shot now, Loyal is, to get a two-bid league. So I think it's I think it's possible now with that San Francisco win. So real fast, what was it? Uh, do you have the box score? Let's cover that uh, game that they just had. With San Francisco, what stood out? If you have it on there. Yeah, I have the box score here. Um, I kept track mostly through the first half. Uh, Loyola got out to a five-point lead like in the first half. But uh, San Francisco took a one-point lead, one lead at halftime. Ended up Loyola was able to battle back and pull away um, in the second half. One by five. It got up to almost double digits at one point. Um, it was interesting. Neutral floor, looking at the spread here, it was a two-and-a-half-point favorite for Loyola. So uh, 
but looking at the San Francisco side, um, Bouye only had 13 points, 13, 5, and 4, but the Mazasowski, the big man, 10 of 10 from the field, 20 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. So uh, we're not the only one to struggle with him. Patrick Tape didn't do much. Uh, Shabazz, who fouled out, 15 points. So uh, uh, not much from the San Francisco side. But looking at the Loyola side, sticks out. Ryan Schweiger, he's been unreal um, for them. A Princeton transfer, 24 points. Uh, pretty good outcome for him. He's shooting unreal from the field. He was 9 of 10 from the field, 3 of 4 from 3. So scored 24 then Ugok had 10, Hudson had 13, Williamson 9, Norris 6, and Kennedy 9. We had a film we liked Loyola going into this game on neutral side. It was close. I bet they're, they're two really evenly matched teams. We mentioned where I mentioned San Francisco was kind of underwhelming to us, that we gave ourselves a chance to win with the game Marcus had, and that was at their place. We mentioned the first two games they had before that, two total point victories that they had to go through before us. Uh and we knew Loyola, like we said, had a chance to win this game. So I think that shows us how close we are to an extent. If Loyola's fairly beaten and we had a chance against them, I think that just we'll see, obviously, down the road. But you mentioned Schweiger, yes. Princeton, that just reminds me of the fact that we had a great GPA. We, we were going to say, if you have the talent and GPA, Loyola's probably the epitome of that. I'm sure their GPA is really, really high. And we talked about how even grad transfers like Schweiger, you know, if he could, or a COVID senior, I guess, transfer like him, that – we wonder if those guys, obviously, that already graduated wherever they were at, if they still take classes or whatever the gist is with that, that he, I'm sure, is helping that. and He's really smart along the whole team. So I wanted to add that in there. They are very deep, Noah. We talked about them. They start Ugok, Hudson, Kennedy, Norris, and Williamson. Great, but they have St. Thomas, Thomas Welch, Schweiger, Chris Knight, Keith Clemens, and Tate Hall. All those guys we're familiar with. That is 10. What is that? That's 11 deep of just steadiness of guys that have been there, done that. They will be... Really, really hard to beat. They gave San Francisco all they could handle, and they did come out with the victory. So because we already sneak peeked that game, we discussed it first. No, let's go back, though, to that January 2nd. Let's, let's talk about those games. Yeah, we started off uh, Valley play, um, which we know we were supposed to play Loyola that game. But other than that, that day, um, Bradley went on the road at Indiana State, who continues to be undefeated at home, 7-0. and um, beat Bradley 76-71. Cooper Neese led the way with 19 points. Um, Terry Roberts continued to do what he's done at 19 as well. So uh, that's a big start for Indiana State. They had spread scoring. Yeah, Cooper Neese 19. They had 14, 14, 18, and 19. Only played two bench players. They'll sneak up on some people this year. So both of them, um, um, I believe Indiana State out started out 0-1-1. Um, so that is a drop that improves them to one and one in the Valley play. Um, a game that went to overtime that was pretty, pretty back and forth. Um, ben Crickey lifted the Val, the Valparaiso Beacons over Indiana State. Antonio Reeves scored 24. He continues to look like an Al uh, first team All Valley player. Um, Valpo by five at home in overtime. Um, Evansville goes on the road at UNI. We expect – well, you don't ex really expect to get beat by 22, but you expect Northern Iowa to handle them, which we know we started out Valley play at Evansville on the road December 1st. Got a road win there. Then uh, a really good game, Drake-Missouri State, 61-56 uh, Missouri State win. Really good ball game. Uh, Donovan Clay led the way, Prim and Donovan Clay. 
13-10 for Prem. Uh, Garrett Sturts actually led the way for Drake. Something to be said, Missouri State, you just said, they lost to who on December 1st in the Valley? But Illinois State beat them in that yeah. overtime. So they had that game, they beat Drake, and then we know we'll get to the game they just had the other day. Now they're 2-1. I think you talk about bid teams, Missouri State, we know they had a really good non-con. But if they can build themselves up, have a great seed, and obviously they could even win the tournament. They're not going to get at-large opportunity, but they're a team to look out for for sure. That was a great game. And Noah, quickly, was it this game we saw or was it whenever game? Roman Penn is back. We thought he was out. That was out. that game. We thought he was out for the year or so. thought he was we out for he, a while, yeah. We knew he was hurt. And I don't know, the injury happened a long time ago. But Noah, he's back, had played 25 minutes. Yeah, had 13 points. Now he's back, Noah. We thought, well, maybe they're going to have to play without him. It's interesting. Maybe they could take a slide. Nope, he's back. They'll be a threat once more, as you said. So, And then Loyola tried to schedule St. Xavier. It looks like that got canceled. Some non-D1 team. Uh, what about the – and there were a couple Wednesday, games on yes. this Wednesday, yeah. We were supposed to play host Drake that game. We know it got postponed. Evansville, Indiana State got postponed as well, and so did Loyola and Illinois State. So that was uh, within Illinois State's program, and I think within – Evansville, not sure on that one, but uh, starting with the best game of the night, uh, Missouri State, Bradley. Missouri State on the road at Bradley. It was a uh, blowout from the most of the first half. Bradley closed first half pretty well. I believe it was down to like 12 at halftime. Then uh, Bradley stormed back, and uh, we all know what happened. Um, Isaiah Mosley hits a uh, – he was 0 for 3 going – at that time from three, and he hits a uh, big-time three that went at the buzzer, 71-69. Um, big road win for the Bears. Big time. And we know Bradley it can be a tough place to play. Yeah, you're right. They were killing them all game. Bradley, I think that says a lot about them storming back. Uh, they were led by uh, Jason Kent. And Tavinen had 13. Still butchering that name. Had 13 off the bench. Yeah. The fact that they were, I forgot who it was. Let me look at the play-by-play. Somebody on Bradley went down and scored. It might have been Kent to give them the lead. And then that's when uh, they took a timeout. It was uh, yeah, Jason Kent made a couple free throws to take the lead. And then they, uh, yeah, they went down, Noah. Luke Hyde Patterson missed a layup. He had a really good game. But Isaiah got the rebound. He was underneath the basket. Didn't get boxed out. Got the rebound. Dribbled all the way to the three-point line and then just pulled up and made it for the win, down by one. That's ice water in the veins. He didn't even play that well. He didn't shoot that well in this game. We mentioned Luke Yeah, He had 20 points to lead him. Noah Gage Prem looks like he's either he's being guarded differently or he's just in a little bit of a slump. 35 minutes, only eight points, four of six shooting, seven rebounds. Interesting. Uh, but Black had 17, Jamonte Black, uh, Donovan Clay had four. So we mentioned their star power. Luke Patterson's dropping 20 on him. That's kind of a guy... We mentioned a downhill guy, kind of a big body guy. That they'll be even even better with Luke Patterson playing like that. And Noah Haney, their freshman, took the red shirt off him, I guess recently or just in general, and he looked really good. So more problems that Missouri State presents for sure. Yeah, right out of their backyard out of Springfield, Missouri. So that helps them out. Another game of the night, Valpo, who we will get into shortly, went on the road at UNI. Um, 92-65 the final, you and I um, starting the Valley start, or getting back in Valley play with two home blowouts and uh, uh, not much to talk about there. 
Um, no, but I will say it wasn't butt whooping. We'll get to because we'll look at Valpo here, but looking at you and I, they played a lot of bench players because of this blowout. Well, Austin Fife does not. He had one minute in this game. I wonder if he's dealing with something or he's benched. He hasn't been starting. Uh, it's interesting, and I wonder what that could happen for. They brought Bourne and Kenneth off the bench as well. Cam Henry, they were still deep. They were still a problem we're going to have to deal with. Looking at Valpo, though, before we get into them, uh, they did not have Thomas Kithier. We wonder if he's dealing with COVID or an injury. Uh, but they didn't play well with or without him. And they have a starting lineup I think we'll continue to see maybe tomorrow. Maybe Kithier will be back. But they're looking maybe back to strength. You follow some Valpo guys. I wonder if he's going to be back or not. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he was I, supposed to be back the other night. So we would assume him and uh, somebody else that they were missing as well. To be back, they were supposed to be back the other night, but they held them out one more game. So, um, I think it was a COVID-related thing. But, uh, yeah, before we get into them, um, looking towards this weekend, um, the Valley play, uh, before we run through the standings after this, um, we have Bradley at Loyola. That should be a good basketball game tomorrow at 3 p.m. Um, Drake at Evansville, expect that to be a blowout. Um Actually, yeah. well, it says Indiana State is at Drake, so one of those is a COVID game. I believe it's Evansville that's canceled. They play Indiana State. Um, I don't know what it's showing on yours. Is it, does it show two games for Drake on yours? No. Which, I, which I wouldn't say they were having a back-to-back. I'm not sure how that's going to be. Um, I'm not sure. Anyway, then you and I gets their first actual test in the Valley at, on the road at Missouri State, and on Sunday – Evansville is at Illinois State, so I guess that Evansville game, I guess probably because of moving schedules around, Indiana State is now at Drake, and Evansville is at Illinois State for the weekend. So looking at Valley standings right now, um, lone two undefeated teams still at 1-0 is Loyola and us, as we know so far. And at 2-1, you get Missouri State, UNI. 1-1, you have Drake, Indiana State, Illinois State, and that one and two, you have Valpo Bradley. That zero oh and two is Evansville. Yeah, I feel for Bradley that tough loss. Now they're one and two, uh, and we said how big this game for us is going to be tomorrow. Quickly though, there is no full-on preview for us via the ESPN app anyway with a spread or anything, but there is for the other games. Northern Iowa Missouri State will be back on CBS Sports Network. There's previews for these other games, but not ours. It's interesting. Probably weren't sure if we're playing or not. True, and Drake and Evansville, I guess it's the same way. They don't have a preview via the ESPN app either. So, you know, we just mentioned a really uh, big game because we know we're at Missouri State after this game. So uh, it'll be huge. So let's let's jump into the Beacons. Yeah, the Beacons, 7-6 and six overall. We just mentioned they are 1-2 and two in Valley Place so far this year. Um, their their uh, quality wins, uh, they beat Jacksonville State and Tulane on a neutral – both on neutral courts. Um, has a couple bad losses, lost to UI, Illinois, Chicago, and Charlotte at home. Um, they won, they've won um, seven of their last nine before losing by 27 on the road at Northern Iowa. So uh, looking into uh, offensively, they've been a pretty good, pretty uh, strong shooting team this year, uh, 96 in the country in effective field goal percentage. But uh, on the defensive side, uh, they're, they're, they have not fared well. Um, they're 199th in the country in effective field goal percentage against. Uh, so, uh, but looking into a couple of their players, we all know um, 
Their leading scorer is 6'4", senior Kobe King. He's averaging 15 a game. We all know he started at – he was a three-star recruit going to Wisconsin. Then he went to committing to Nebraska. Nebraska. Then he had to sit out. Um, he, he decided to sit out last year, and now he transferred to Valpo. Had to sit out nine games. Um, but uh, looking what he's doing, he is the real deal. I believe he had 14 and nine the other night at Northern Iowa in that blowout. Um, he scored double digits in all points besides one this season. So he is the real deal. But other guys, we know Ben Cricky, he, he killed us last year. Um, the 6'9 junior, 14.8 per points per game. Um, he was the all-MVC third team and all-MVC improved team at the end of the season last year. Um, then you have a couple – couple other transfers like Thomas Kithier, expect him back, 6'8", senior, Michigan State transfer, averaging um, like seven rebounds a game, so he's a big rebounder for them. Um, Kavion Taylor, he's a D2 Winona State transfer, big-time scorer, 6'6", senior. And we know Sheldon Edwards, is a, he's a really good sophomore for them, 6'4", very athletic, very good scoring guard. Um, so a big-time game for us tomorrow night. Um, they they have shown a lot. They're just like us. Have mixed up, have had to mix up lineups, starting lineups um, this year. So it'll be interesting to see what. Well, we don't know exactly who we will have going in tomorrow night, but uh, and we expect them to get their guys back. But uh, having five guys or six guys in double figures, including Kobe King at 15, Ben Cricky 15, Sheldon Edwards at 12. Kayvon Teller, 11, Trevor Anderson, Wisconsin transfer, the other transfer at 10, and Thomas Kithier at 10. And they have guys like um, Keandre Young and Joe Hedstrom, a Wisconsin transfer, and the guy that feels like he's been there for 15 years, uh, Aaron Gordon, is back again. So, uh, yeah, they've been a, they've been an up-and-down team, but I think um, looking into what they've shown this season, been pretty impressed. Um, we know – uh, Coach Lodich has done a pretty good job, especially with he's bringing year year in, year out, different guys, having guys leave, like Javon Freeman, Liberty, then Donovan Clay, having to bring in transfers. He's done a pretty good job. And uh, he's got a – I know they didn't fare good the other night on the road at UNI, but the returning home, getting Kithier back probably. So uh, this is a probably a dangerous ball club, especially with a guy like Kobe King. Um if they get going in the right direction, especially uh, headed into St. Louis, this is a team, even though we'll end, if they end up playing, probably will end up playing on Thursday night. If they get used to that court, uh, guys like Kobe King, if they get hot, they can make a stretch like they did a couple years ago in St. Louis. Yeah, especially with him being a Big Ten town, he's shooting about 49% from the field. Yeah, you mentioned the 15 points. In those six games, 29.7 minutes, so they're throwing him right into the fire. We knew he was dealing with COVID, I think, before the season, along with that injury they were settling him in. You mentioned Lodic has. He's done a great job bringing these guys in, convincing them, and dealing with the, the guys that have left. We know he made it to the Valley Championship with a young Donovan Clay and JFL, who's showing out for DePaul. Uh, it does say a lot. And I, it hasn't Lodic, he was on the staff somewhere before he got this job. He's talked about it, or someone else has. I don't know. I can't think of where. It was a decent staff, though, and he has done great. This is, at one point, obviously – here and there, Valpo's been some of the, the peak of their powers at one of these points. In that season, they got to the championship, or even with the talent they've got this year, even though they've, you know, scuttled a little bit. The peak of since they, you know, came here, they're thriving off that new name. 
uh, the beacon. So overall, yes, you're right. There are quality. Cricky shoots 55% from the field and Kithier 62%. So guys that are really good around the rim, uh, both of those guys can shoot. Cricky, as you said, always a problem. Kithier, all this Big Ten talent they're able to bring in. That's why we thought that they could be a sleeper this year. And you said playing on Thursday night, anything can play out. It's interesting. They seem like a team that should, even though that talent is there and that those veterans are definitely there, that maybe I wouldn't expect them to. We'll see how that plays out. We know Bradley's inconsistent, talented as well. They Valpo could take their spot in terms of, you know, where they're projected. And and we'll, obviously this is all wait and see, like I said. But, yeah, Kobe King will be a tough guard. Sheldon Edwards, yes, yeah, sophomore, great player. They've been bringing him off the bench. He started the other night because there's some guys that weren't playing. Uh, they're all problems, and I think – I'm not sure how deep they are. You did say Aaron Gordon, who has been there a long time. He barely scores, but I'm sure he makes an impact otherwise uh, for sure. I think they're a team we definitely got to worry about. I wanted to get into the comparisons, though. You said that they yeah, they score 74, but they do allow almost 70 themselves, uh, and we score about 65. So it evens out there. They shoot better from the field than we do. Like I said, we've had a lot of games with bad shooting to – make it to where 45, but 45 is not a terrible, terrible number. Uh, they are rebound us barely. Uh, they average more assists than we do. They have more blocks than we do, and they get more steals. So two e closely, evenly matched teams. Uh, and as we now know, going there, I don't think we've – I thought there was a stat that I had here, our record against Valpo over the years, but they are a tough team to play there. What are some other stats going into this game before we get into some quotes from Brian? Yeah, uh, since joining the league in 2018, um, Valpo is 5-3 and three against us, including 3-0 and oh at home. Um, last time was last time up to the arc, uh, February 12th of 2020. Um, they beat us 55-38, to so only scoring 38 points. We know we struggled up there. We, we always feel like um, when we see we, – we always um, – going into the year, we feel like that's going to be an automatic split because we, we've had zero success up there. Yeah, you're right. And that game we remember in February of 2020, we almost scored 38 points, almost lost by 20. I don't know, something about their gym. It's kind of a, I'm going to say it's a small gym. It's kind of like a medium-sized gym. It has, when you watch on TV, it seems small. They don't really bring in a whole lot of fans that I remember. They might, just thinking about it, but I don't know if the rims are bad or the feel of it. It is kind of a long trip. It's kind of weird. It's probably cold there. We know it was frigid here today, so it's cold everywhere, but it's interesting. Yeah. So it's tough place to play. Yeah, they call it the arc, as you said. So yeah, five and three against us since they joined. So it's interesting. They have our number. We know we split with them last year in two really close and good games. Uh, something's quick here before Brian talks. Something's up about you know what we've done this year. Us and Loyola are the only two Valley teams that have not given up 70 points in a road game this year, which is interesting, Noah, because we know we have not been a great road team. Uh, we're 6-0 at home, as we said, but whatever – the case after Evansville's was our only true road win. Uh, so and that was that was a close to call. So we're not giving up a lot of points. Our defense is good. It's just, you know, like we said, our inability to finish games this year has been our mainly our downfall. And now that we said hopefully tomorrow we'll see, but in general, hopefully we're getting our 10 or 11 guys to go uh, put up five moving forward. We allow 59 points per game, which leads the Missouri Valley and ranks 20th nationally. We've been saying a stat like that. It's crazy how it's been staying like that. Like I said, our defense, Brian's been preaching overall. It's been great. We are 19-1 in our last 20 games without rebounding an opponent. That's a crazy stat right there, Noah, because Brian preaches it, and we preach it overall. Rebounding has been a, a 
fault of ours over the years. Uh, and obviously that shows if you rebound, you win, and that's the case regardless. They We have won or tied the rebounding battle on 10 of 13 games this season. Uh, we are 19 of 5 in Brian's era with 15 or more assists and 21 and 7 when we have more assists than the opponent. We are 21 and 4 under Brian when we win points in the paint battle. We're 5 and 1 this year, and we did not allow any fast break points in two games this season at Evansville and Southern Miss game. And just dating us how great of a home team. We've won seven straight going back to last season. So some stats on Marcus and Lance as well. And we know, like we said, the trajectory in the great month of December cash had. Uh, quickly know before we get final thoughts and some picks. Uh, Brian said, quote, Valpo, similar to us, have had a few different lineups, as you said earlier, I think. But different guys in and out throughout their non-con. And they added Kobe King, a really talented player, blah, blah, blah. And they have our experienced team. They have brought in four of the transfers this year. He talked about some of them. It's going to be a challenge for us. Getting a win on the road in the Valley is extremely difficult. We have to have a few good days of prep and take the challenge. And then he talked about, because we talked about the three road games, the, the first three road games to kick off conference. Quote, it's not easy starting conference with three on the road, but I think our guys enjoy playing on the road. We played four true road games in non-con. I don't know if another Valley team played more than that. I think we have great experience with teams on the road. To play at Tulsa, at San Francisco, true road games, I think all that is going to help us this Valley season. In terms of the mentality, the discipline, the focus, you have to have to win on the road. You have to be at a high level. Like we said, a lot of those games could have been better in our favor. We know the Paradise Jam was neutral site. Uh, could have benefited us for sure. Could have, should have won that because Creighton's had a good season. They got blown out by Villanova recently, but they also killed Villanova. Their matchup before that, it's interesting. Uh, because we said about the negatives this season, it's been an inability to finish games. I think we're on good pace as long as we can get healthy, not only from a COVID aspect, from an injury aspect as well. We're thinking we're there. So, uh, Noah, like I said, via the ESPN app, there is no spread. Do you know of one? I do not know of one. Which is unfortunate because here we are the day before. doesn't happen for the other Valley games. I know, yeah, because of the movement. Out, or this game's still in place. This game hasn't moved. Correct. So, just in general, I don't know why it's not here yet. It's unfortunate. Uh, we can say probably they'll probably be the favorite. I mean, they're eight and seven. They're really good at home. Um, we struggle there. They take all that stuff into account. So will we say it's maybe a three to five point favorite for Valpo? Maybe that might be a little too high. Probably. I'd say about three because if you go off uh, uh, what each team scores a game, they score about seventy. They score we score sixty seven, and uh, ESPN matchup predictor has them at fifty eight point three percent chance to win. So. Uh, um, closer than closer than it. Um, it's uh, not as close as I thought it would be, but yeah, I'd say about three points for sure. And that's obviously attainable. So we could both say we'll both both take the dogs plus three. We know it's a tough place to play. It seems like we're not going to really pick us to lose. You might see down the road some games of opponents that we know will be tough. But I mean, unless I'm speaking for you, I'm sure you have us plus three as well. Yeah, whatever us plus the points. And probably the uh, – I'm going to say the under because I think, you know, they have decent size and veterans. Our defense, uh, it's a tough gym to shoot in, I would assume, for us watching it over the years. I'll take the under of whatever it is. What do you think? Yeah, I'd say the under as well. But uh, I would hope – if you if SIU uh, – I seen the stat the other day, which was pretty amazing. Uh, I would like to hit the over because uh, – SIU has won. I seen it the other day. I wrote it down. Uh, SIU has won 31 straight games when scoring 75 plus points. Their last loss was back in uh, January of seven, 
January 17 when he lost on the road 88-84 at Drake. And since 2015-16 season, SIU is 53-3 when scoring 75 points or more. So the magic number is 75 for us. So if you could hit that, that would be good. But, uh, yeah, on the road at, at Valpo, I'll take the under as well. And all these picks obviously base it off, like we said, again, we don't know who's going to show up. You know, hopefully it's – That's why utmost, you don't see a spread. Yeah, and the utmost important of players that we hope we have, we mentioned, hopefully one of Lance or Marcus plays for sure. Definitely cash. I would put cash almost in that conversation of our top two, top three that would make it of guys we hope play. So it is interesting, Noah, and then what about – so in that case, we want to say dogs, but we don't want to have a dog that may not play. I think I, we can count on our whole team playing. I'm not 100%. But if we were to just throw out a dog, Noah, someone that you hope plays and could make a difference tomorrow. Yeah, um, if I were to pick one, I'm going to say um, – I'm going to say Steven Verplankton. Uh, not only – I think he's a decent matchup for Kobe King um, at that size and his defensive ability, but not only – um, we need him to have, uh, what Trent Brown had the other night, uh, not afraid to just shoot the ball because, uh, we know how great of a shooter he is. And, uh, we know we struggled, especially the other night. I think we shot like 24%. was like nine of 27 or something the other night. Not good. We're still not shooting. We're living by the three a little bit, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to say Steven, uh, especially on both ends. It's a good point. Cause we've said multiple times, the team has told Steven to keep shooting. They hate it when he doesn't. Like I said, he's been kind of up and down. But we know we can count on him, like, in other facets to do well. Need him to be good, yes. I'm going to go with Anthony because it seems like he's the only one we think will play because he's shown up the Johnny game, not in quarantine, uh, as an example, as you saw him. So I'm going to pick him because even Noah, I'd pick him otherwise because it, he's a good matchup around for a Cricky, for a Kithier. He's got the size. He's got the – you know, the athleticism of guys like that, the slitheriness, as I would say. We know he's shooting well from the free throw line. Hasn't shot a whole lot of threes this year. He's kind of took that out of his game, but I don't know if that's just – that's not what our offense dictates. We know what our kind of our offense has done this year. Handoffs and all that other stuff, back cuts, everything. So it'll be great to see our bigs do have to show up. If Kithier plays, everybody have to show up. Like we said, don't know who's going to play. Hopefully it's everybody. It's no final thoughts. Yeah, it's a big game. We, uh, we've, we've talked about it. Um... Um, kind of need this one because you got two on the road to start to re, restart a valley play here. Um, you need one of the two, and uh, I think this is one we need to get because uh, um, not saying you can't get the one at Missouri State because they're jack on hide. You know ex exactly what team um, is showing up for them, but it's kind of that way for us. We don't know which team. We definitely don't exactly know what team we're getting tomorrow night. So uh, yeah, it's a big one. Um, getting getting right back on the right track. Um, hopefully using this uh, break to uh, rest our bodies maybe a little bit, getting back healthier on, on both ends on, not from COVID and injuries. Uh, um, hopefully Trent Brown is good to go. Haven't heard much more on him, how he responded um, from that Grambling State game, but expect uh, him to be back as well. So, yeah, big-time game. I think we're going to get it done on the road. Um, I think this is the Valpo team weekend take advantage of, even though they have some talent. Yeah, for sure. I think there's something to be said, without a doubt, for this break and us. And because we've been, you know, not so great great on the road, even though we've had some tests, as Brian said, it would say a lot if we could go in and beat Valpo at a place we don't usually win at at all. And then you go into Missouri State. You said Jekyll and Hyde, which they are. They're talented. I don't think they're a great defensive team. 
but they're definitely good. And that'd be a tough place to play too. So first three games of conference on the road, I, that would say a lot. If we could definitely go two and one or three and oh, no, I think that could set us up being the fact that we know we're, we'll take our chances with anybody at home. If we can do this on the road at tough places to play. I think that'll have us get a good trajectory. Not only will we be 3-0 in a great shape, just in terms of, obviously, us moving forward against anybody, I would like our chances. So it will be fun. It is a 6 o'clock game central time for us. Uh, it's the same up there as well. ESPN Plus tomorrow. Uh, it'll be a busy day for us tomorrow. Hopefully we can get back, obviously, for it. Looking forward to it to continue our season. It's been a long time. Uh, the team has had off. I'm trying to project it from when it was last year, from the time we had off at some point. So it's, a, it's around the same. Either way, COVID stinks. We wish it would go away, but maybe that's not the case, but we're hoping we can stay clean the rest of the way. Looking forward to this game tomorrow for Nick Malone. No alerts. We will see you guys soon. Go dog.